Begin Podfix Network transmission in three, two, one. Where's the white bird? In a golden cage, David. What, what's what's the, the white bird doing? Singing a song of sixpence. Is it? Sing a song of sixpence. Is the white bird in a golden cage on a winter's day? Yes. I always want to say it's in the rain, too. It, oh, you're Okay, you're right. It's the next lyric. It's white bird in a golden cage on a winter's day in the rain. Yeah, that's sad. That's so sad. Yes, it is. And then, and then the next, the white bird's got to go, fly, or it's gonna die. Yes, I so okay. So I know we're gonna talk about it later in the episode, but I didn't realize that that was the lyric until until this episode when they repeat that lyric like five or six times. White bird must fly, or she will die. And they just kept repeating it, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh no, oh no. Like if only I had known that that was fucking foreshadowing. Like five minutes later, <laughs> it would have been way worse. Oh well, but it's the most depressing song ever. Like the white bird sits in her cage, unknown. White bird in a golden cage, alone. The leaves blow across the long black road to the darkened skies in its rage. Like what the <laughs> shit? What the <laughs> shit? I think I think someone was trying to be as inspired as Gordon Lightfoot was when he wrote about the Edmund Fitzgerald, but. The topic wasn't as good, and they w- weren't as good songwriters. So they, it ends up being about a white bird, which I can only imagine is a dove, or yeah, oh yeah, yeah, which is a pigeon, um, in a bird cage, um, somewhere. That's all I got. That's God, all I gets, got. It gets weirder. It gets white bird dreams of the aspen trees with their dying leaves turning gold. Whoa. The sunsets come, the sunsets go, the clouds roll by, and the earth turns old, and the young bird's eyes do always glow. She must fly. What the shit, Greg? <laughs> I love it. Is there oh more? Is there more? That's it. And then it goes into white bird in a golden cage, and then it repeats that white bird must fly or she will die like five or six times. Is it a it metaphor? Is it, maybe it's not about a bird at all. Maybe it's about... I don't know. Well, I, I'm reading the lyrics on Google, so I wonder if there's like a wiki page for it. Ooh. Oh, Whitebird Song. There is a Wikipedia page. Oh, boy. Page. Should, we, should we do a little... Oh, here's what I'm going to do while I'm looking for this. I'm going to welcome everybody to the Night Rider Years, a podcast by two friends who share a love of classic 80s television. I'm your host, Dave Champa. I am your other host, Greg Klein. So, guys, if you're new to the show, uh, welcome to the series finale. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, uh, Greg and I have been on this journey of Knight Rider for a little over two years. So the idea of our of our little show here is that we pick a show from the '80s and we kind of we pick it apart and we goof on it. And we have just fun talking about these episodes and we go through these shows. Um, two years ago, we ended MacGyver. We are we are we are closing out Knight Rider tonight, and in about two weeks, we're going to launch a brand new '80s television show. And we're really excited about it. Uh, I can't only I can only wait and hope, Greg, that we're going to find more connections to '80s television and movies in the same universe that you have for Knight Rider, and <laughs> I, because I think that Airwolf is such a vast departure 
from MacGyver and Airwolf, uh, MacGyver and Knight Rider. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure we know what's going to hit us in the next couple. Well, weeks. already we've got some high tech piece of machinery that ties it together. So Knight Rider and Airwolf is already connected that way. Yep. And we've got Ernest Borgnine, which will just tie into absolutely everything. Oh, absolutely. And then MacGyver fixes stuff, so we'll plug him in somewhere too. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna s- slowly start lacing a thread forcibly if needed through all of these tv shows yes now do you think going into airwolf do you think we're going to start to like leave the macgyver references behind and focus solely on bringing michael knight and the foundation into airwolf or do you think we'll still pepper macgyver in macgyver no i mean i think it's all gonna i this is the way that i see it In, in my mind all of these shows are happening in parallel so i can't differentiate one thing from the other. It's true. So they're all happening <laughs> at the same time. Okay. So I found the backstory behind the White Bird song. It's really bad. It's really sad. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Let's just go there. I'm Let's go do with it. it. Okay. So White Bird was written in December of 1967 in Seattle, Washington. Manager Matthew Katz had moved the band. The band's name is called It's a Beautiful Day. He moved the band to Seattle to polish their act at a Seattle venue, booking them into San Francisco nightclubs. Now, here's where it gets really, really upsetting. Living in the attic of a Victorian house across the street from Volunteer Park, the band had inadequate food and no transportation during a dreary Seattle winter. The song evolved from the depression of the band's circumstances and yearning to be free the song's repeated chorus, White Bird Must Fly or She Will Die. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's just... that's... But it's even more depressing that it's about their own plight yes. and how shitty their circumstances were rather than, say, uh, like it's it's about some ancient, it's some royalty, some woman locked in a tower, you know, some shit like that. You know, that's almost yeah. more depressing that it's just about the band's bad circumstances. Well, and that it's like it's it's yeah, like you said, like there's no real deeper meaning. It's literally it's just <laughs> like these people who are like have no food, have no transportation, and they're literally in the middle of like seasonal depression because of this awful Seattle winter. And it's But let's like, let's also give them credit though. So even though it's it's kind of sad that there's no deeper meaning, we did find deeper meaning, which is always the good mar- hallmark of a good song. Like it's, it's about the most mundane thing being stuck in an attic and being bored to, out of your mind and having no food. Um, and they made this honestly, I think, quite a nice song. I do, I though agree. it's very depressing. Um, out of that, so that's I guess the hallmark of a good song songwriter or yeah. musician. Well, okay, so the writer of the song, David Laflame, says we were like caged birds in the attic. We had no money, no transportation. The weather was miserable. We were just barely getting by on a very small food allowance provided to us. It was quite an experience, but it was very creative in a way, which I get, I'll get. i buy that. Like Sometimes moments like this can spawn beautiful things, and I think this is a very – I think it's a really great song. I, 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 I love do it. Like, I do like the fact that their manager talked them into using that the, – the t- calling it White Bird rather than Sparse Food Allowance. I, the first draft of the song sucked. It's Dreary Seattle Winter. That was yeah, the first. Dr- <laughs> sparse food allowance in a dreary Seattle winter. Okay, guys. First off, that title is too long. Right. And second, it doesn't make sense. Nobody cares. <laughs> right, exactly. So do you think so do you think Gordon Lightfoot was really inspired because his model boat sank in his bathtub? <laughs> I 
I mean, you don't think he had any knowledge of the Edmund Fitzgerald prior to writing the song? No, it's synchronicity. It's an accident. Oh, okay. That's, oh, okay. So do you think his song sank the Edmund Fitzgerald? Oh, fuck. <laughs> As he's writing it, the actions are actually happening. Oh, God. That's oh. like some Stephen King thing. The legend lives on from the Chippewa down to the big leg they call Gitchigumi. Sorry. <laughs> Hey Greg. Hey Dave. How the hell are you? I'm I'm really happy that we're recording right now. <laughs> I, I really need this. <laughs> I do too. I really do too. We <sighs> last week we dealt with some pretty significant lag in the internet and tonight we're just tonight seems like one of the best nights we've had and it can't be more fitting for us to close out uh the four season run of the show. Oh, it, this needs to work. I'm I'm really pumped. I was when I watched this episode, I was like holy shit, we might need 90 minutes to get through this. But I, yeah, mm. yeah, things things are good. Work is good. Life is plugging along. I don't know, you know, status quo. But man, yeah, it's good to chat. I, it is. I need to see more people. I do. God, I know. I was talking to my mother the other night. She's struggling pretty bad because of this whole. I not just because of not being able to go anywhere, but like winter has always been tough for everybody. But mm. it's just like I just want to be able to like not. That's like I want to touch someone else and like that's not part of my family. I want to hug someone. <laughs> like yeah, I kind of miss the act of hugging people. Okay, it's very sure. strange. I also at the same time I was talking to one of my coworkers today about how weird it's going to be. Like when the day comes where we're told that you know hey. You know, we've got this under control. We can start taking your masks off. I think that's going to be a very strange transition mm-hmm. because I ta- we were talking about it because some of our new patients that have come into the building, I've never seen without a mask because it's required to come into this medical office. So we're talking about, like, what's going to happen, like, when we get to that point where they're saying, mm-hmm. all right, you can start taking your masks off. Like, we've got this thing under control. Like, we're going to start seeing these people and not know what to do because they're not going to look anywhere near the same. Right, it's going to be it's going to be weird. You it's like meeting folks all over again. Yes. Exactly. She was she was doing a telehealth appointment with with one of our patients and they had their mask off and she's like I it took me a second because I've only seen their eyes. Yeah. And it took me a minute to realize that it was the same person as I was talking to them on video and it's it's just a very it's going to be a very strange scenario. Well, isn't that weird? Like, what if there was somebody that always wore, wore sunglasses and you never saw their eyes? You wouldn't have that same problem, I don't think. No, you're probably right. It's kind of weird, huh? You yeah. know? You, 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 you get so much of a person's expression from their, their mouth and their teeth, and whether, whether there's food in their teeth. I get a lot oh. from your mouth, Greg. Yeah, do you? I do. I I haven't been brushing my teeth as well as I should lately. My gums kind of hurt. I got to get um, on that again. I got to tell you, I missed a day. I missed yesterday morning brushing my teeth, and I brushed them this morning, and like I was just like, ah, it's like steel <laughs> wool on my gums just from one day. I just, think I, have, I must have really sensitive gums. Maybe. Maybe just spitting blood in the sink for an hour. <laughs> it was all over my shirt, and I just went to work with it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy. It's That's fine. gross. That's um, gross. Hi Greg. Hey Dave. <laughs> do you want- <laughs> Sorry. Do you want to uh do you want to listen? We got actually voicemail hotline's been a little quiet, but we did get two this week. Um, okay. do you want to listen to yes. our two? We have to because I think it's quiet because we suck at listening to them and we let it go for like 2 months. So yes, we should listen to them. That's true. Actually no, I lied. We got three because there's one I neglected to play. Well, somebody left us a message on Christmas Eve. Oh boy. And I neglected to play it. Oh, do you think it's Santa? No, it's Clint. Oh, Clint, that's okay. Clint Walker? (laughs) Oh. Well, he's dead, but I think I'd still let's pretend that this is Clint Walker. Death would not stop Clint Walker from calling our hotline. 
That's true. That's true. We should we should start asking for for posthumous hotline messages from actors who have passed on our television shows. So like we need a <laughs> like Dana Elkar, uh, Ernest Borgnine, Jan mm-hmm. Michael Vincent. Who else is dead? Oh, Elbert Mulher. Oh man, like, we should see. We should see if we can get some of our of our posthumous. I, th- uh, I think we should do that. But let's. Okay, this is this is the other thing that we should do. We should also start developing a TV show based on the characters of all the cast members of all the shows that are dead. Ooh, so like it's like a, it's like a show with Pete Thornton. Uh, I don't know the names of the two characters in Airwolf. Yep. Um, Devin Miles and they're all like just sharing an apartment. It's exactly. Like Girls yes. Re- it's like a Golden Girls reboot. <laughs> yes. Yes. But it's all these characters. But it's all like somehow their per- their afterlife got mixed up. So they arrived in 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 Saint Peter actually had them listed as their characters. So that's who they go to heaven as. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Or just um, or just purgatory. They're just stuck in a waiting room because they have identity mix-ups. Who no. are you really? I'm Peter Thornton. Well, it says says Dana Elkar. Yeah, but I I, I think I'm Peter Thornton, right? I think, I think I'm Peter Thornton. I, I mean, I just I have a very vivid memory of of saving some 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 guy from the afterlife. I, I don't know. It was weird. It pulled him off a boat. <laughs> it's really weird. I don't I don't understand that. I, I also remember ginger ale and shaved ice. I, I don't uh, I don't understand. I don't understand, Peter. My name is my name is Dusty. <laughs> Dusty Miles. <laughs> but okay, so it's another layer of it. So so Edward Mulhair thinks he's actually Devin Miles who actually thinks his real name is Dusty Miles and he's a motorcycle uh racer. A motorcycle racer? Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I'm an idiot. You're not. All right, you ready for the hotline? Nope. Okay, here we go. I'm going to play it anyway. Hey guys, Clint here. I'm probably too late, but Merry Christmas and happy holidays and Hope you enjoy your Festivus and all that. So, anyway, one thing I was thinking is I wanted to tell you, if you guys ever did do the cartoon podcast you were talking about uh, with the daughters, I was just thinking one episode, I know it'd be, it's kind of hard to maintain their interest with these old 80s cartoons that are maybe not so entertaining by modern little girl standards, <laughs> but one that they might enjoy is season two episode of Transformers the one called The Girl Who Loved Power Glide. That one is so bad, it's good. So uh, it's definitely entertaining. They might actually enjoy it. But uh, uh, anyway, hope you guys have a good one. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later. Bye. I don't know if you listened to the episode a couple weeks ago when the girls and I were on. I think it was your anniversary weekend yeah. back in October. We had talked about maybe launching a third podcast, like a Come As You Will podcast, where if we decide we just want to drop an episode on a random day watching cartoons. So we had talked about like just like picking random episodes of cartoons and just talking about them from the lens of a 2020 child watching a show from the lens of a child when a show when we were like between the ages of eight and twelve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so that would be interesting. I think I might I might in- be interested in watching this Transformers episode, the girl who loved. Power glide. Uh, that uh, sounds. <laughs> I'm gonna look it up after the show. I need to see what this is all about. I mean, um, I don't know. Sure, sounds kind of dirty. We're gonna. I may, you know what? Maybe that will be the first episode, <laughs> just because I'm just morbidly curious about the girl who loved. So power you're glide. so curious about this that if you don't watch, you will die. Maybe it's possible. Your curiosity is gonna kill you. I'm it's morbidly so curious. <laughs> you ready for the next one? Uh, I guess so. With all the adventures that we hear Devin Miles having gotten into in his past, 
certainly that would make an interesting series. And you guys have a great show about it. Chapa and Klein, the Devin Miles years. Who knows? I wonder if there's a fan script out there somewhere. I, I would love to do a spinoff series just diving into the Devin. We've talked about it a couple times over the course of Night Rider yep. about how cool it would be to see these backstory episodes well, about Devin I, Miles' life. Maybe, I mean, maybe we don't write so much a treatment of it, but perhaps we could come up with some sort of uh, biogra- biography timeline. You know what I mean? So that we can start yep. off, pick a date, Devin Miles is born, whenever, and we, we assemble his life through dates, and then we could go through it and uh, talk about his exploits um, the stuff that you know that is declassified. I'll, I'm sure there's a lot of it we just don't know or won't be able to find access to. See, I think this is a great idea. Um, I think we might have to explore it a little bit further, Greg. You think Devin so? My- Perhaps we could even translate the Devin Miles years into fan fiction. Oh my God! Yeah. Oh, like uh, Harry Potter erotica. <laughs> yes, someone and I can't find the message. Someone had reached out to me on either email or social media and said that we should do bonus episodes to kind of like pepper in throughout airwolf of knight rider fanfic and i googled it <laughs> and i i read a couple of them greg yeah there, there's some real fun stuff in there so we, we, might... we should also try to find some airwolf fan fiction you know that's true maybe we can I bet we could find a crossover oh i bet we could so what i want this is what i want if anyone out there is feeling artistic and has the ability to do this i want i want a poster of devon miles mm-hmm. the way that uh, bruce campbell looks on army of darkness or the way that uh that uh, Clark Griswold looks in the family vacation movies, you know. So yeah, like yeah, yeah. Devin Miles, but like on a on a, a rock face, like whole, like or on a motorcycle, and he's all he's got no shirt, and he's really <laughs> really hard bodied and shiny. So like the Army of Darkness poster where he's standing over the deadites with the chainsaw right. hand. Yeah, or Devin's or face. or he's breaking out of a, a Nazi prison camp, and he's like standing on a pile of Nazi corpses. Oh my gosh! And he's like, yes. he's like, he's like, he's blacked out. He's so angry. Yeah, that kind of thing. He's he um, dug he dug a tunnel with his own hands and came up into the barbed wire and just ripped it apart and then tore everybody asunder with his hands. <laughs> That's what so I if want. We have any, if we have any artists in the audience who want to try their hand at drawing that, uh, <laughs> I would love to see what I, you guys. Come I, up I, I with. want I want to see like his his big hands around somebody's neck. And you can see, like choking them out, and I want to be able to see the broken fingernails and the dirt in his hands from clawing his way out of the prison camp. I, I mean, let's put it to the audience. Let's see if they can do it. I would, I would love to see something of that ilk. You and you uh, can either have him in a loincloth or not. One way or the other, it doesn't matter. But I would prefer not. But that's just me. Okay. I mean, I would, I would like trousers. I want something left to the imagination. I would also like Devin's toenails to look like raptor claws. <laughs> the, <laughs> That's all. Can you get? Mu- can you have muscular feet? <laughs> veiny, veiny feet. <laughs> like he can pick up rock. He can pull rocks out of the ground with the arch of his foot. He can just squeeze around it. <laughs> oh gosh, man. I don't even know if we're going to get into the episode tonight. Yeah, what a waste. We have one more hotline message. Do we want to save it for next week, Greg? No, because we won't play it. <laughs> That's true. All right, it's from Randy, and he has a theory. Hey, guys, it's Randy. So I have a theory as to why Bonnie was not in the quote-unquote final episode, Voodoo Nights. 
now, assuming that we are in the alternate reality of which Son of the Roses is not the series finale, but in this alternate reality where it all ends with Voodoo Knight. In the previous episode, uh, uh, Night of the Rising Sun, when Devin told, I can't remember the kid's name, but told the kid, hey, have Bonnie make you some lunch. <laughs> the kid went to Bonnie, and she, Bonnie was like, what the fuck? I'm a mechanic. <laughs> I have several bachelor's degrees. You want me to make you lunch? And at the end of the episode, she went to Devin and gave him the two weeks, and gave the two weeks notice. Which is why she's not in uh, Voodoo Nights or the Knight Rider 2000 movie. She went on the bigger and better fans, and all because Devin just had to be a womanizer and be like, hey, I know Bonnie's great with all the mechanic stuff, but, you know, a woman's place is in the kitchen. Also, Optimus Prime, if you're out there, I've been dying to know, are you somewhat upset with the Knight Foundation for reverse engineering car, an evil entity, in your likeness? You know, basically using, you know, the same you know, microwaves for your voice modulator. You know, it's, I'm just saying, I, I would be kind of off-put and kind of hurt about that, that, the, you know, you know, being the super awesome being that you are, and then all of a sudden here comes a, not only an inferior knockoff, but also an, an evil inferior knockoff. I just, as a huge fan, I would love to know your thoughts on that. Thank you. It's actually been a while since we've heard from um, Optimus Prime, so he got himself a he got himself a shout out on another on another hotline message. That's so I'd awesome. Be curious yeah. to hear his thoughts on that. Um, I love that theory <laughs> that, oh, that Bonnie just said stuff you and left. Yeah, this is what you this is what you think of me after how many years of uh, of of working for you, Devin? You're gonna make me now go fetch lunch for a. I know, and now, and now I feel bad. So, so Bonnie, I don't think would have been angry at the at the kid directly. She would have been pissed no. at the whole thing. So, do you think that she would have gotten the kid food anyway, and then said "fuck this" and to Devin after, or do you think she would have just told that kid to go stuff it and make your own damn breakfast? And and she just like that's the final straw because she's been bottling it up for well four years, three years, whatever you want to call it. I, well, actually, I mean, how long has she been working for the foundation? Do we know if she's been there? Longer than we see prior to the first season. Well, it's true. You're right. She was there. I th she did help develop some stuff, right, with Kit. Yeah, so she, did. she, she did. was there prior to Michael Long getting shot in the face. It's probably been years of years of just psychological abuse at the hands of. Do, do you think that she was like one of the kids, like in all the AP classes, and Devin recruited her, like in high school when she was 17, and oh, then she never yes. really went to college. She just worked for the foundation, which is why she went back to school. And the, the when April took over, and uh, uh, or, yeah. or something like that. So yeah, I bet you she has like a. Not I. I don't want to say she was a trust fund, but she was a, a prog uh, progeny of the foundation. So everything yeah. was paid for, and Devin has been courting her. Is this like that? Is this like that episode of MacGyver with the smart kids college where they had to do the? Remember they all got? Wasn't that? Wasn't that MacGyver? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm got, thinking. Like, locked in their dorm rooms and they had to get out of there it was like yeah something like that like just like school for gifted kids who don't have homes yeah and so the <laughs> bonnie's home is the foundation that's true i like that. maybe she was an orphan well you never know i mean it could be she could have been maybe season two was when the season she took off to try to find uh more information about her parents and I don't know. Yeah, I'm, that's true. That's true. It could. There's there's so much stuff here. There's so much that we could write into here that, you know. It's true. It's true. Um, 
Greg, I think we've put off talking <laughs> about the episode long enough. Are you ready to talk about the series finale? I am so ready. Yes. All right. All right here we go, guys. It is season four, episode 22, The Scent of Roses. Oh, God, Greg. I just... Ah, you had texted me when I texted you last night. And you said you felt like it might have been a little bit too much. I wasn't sure. Like, what, what was? What did you think was too much about the episode? Well, this is the first episode. So no, I usually watch these shows like before I go to work because I don't have to be yeah. at work till ten thirty. So I watch it in the morning. Um, and usually I go to work and I, I, I listen to music on the drive to work and that stuff. So this is the first time that I I turned the radio on and turned it off because I I had to keep thinking about this episode. This is the only episode that stuck with me like that much. And I thought about it all day, like I know. T- turning over the, the plot in my mind and all these different things. I'm like, wait, they did this? This is what they did? This is it? Holy shit. And it was by far the heaviest <clears throat> episode. There, And I mean too much also in the sense of there is so much in this episode. Yes. That there's no possible way that it made any sense to put it in the middle of the season because having watched this episode now, but going back and watching the season, I would have expected to see some hiccup somewhere yeah. in, in, in the storyline and Michael and something, but there isn't. There's nothing. No. All, all signs in this episode now, okay, I can see based on the ending of the episode, I can see how you could make it how you could go to another episode and still have it make sense within the continuity. However, basing this as a series finale and watching the beats that every moment hit, they are all building towards this this culmination at the very end that wherever it goes, you know that this is going to end the series on a high note and it did. The way it ends, while yes it would work well for a season finale, the way it ends as a series finale is could not I don't think it could have been more perfect to end out a show like this. So it, so we we're I'm throwing back it to last week again. So we talked about how most of the season was shot in production order and they it yep. didn't seem like they knew the show was getting canceled when they wrapped like the, yep. the last. So the, how the last episode that we watched last week, whatever the hell it was, um Voodoo Night, Voodoo Night was so weird and so yeah. pointless. And right. how was that a season finale? And then how how did they not see this episode as as a perfect culmination of the entire series, you know? I know, I know. I read somewhere, it might have been like on a Knight Rider wiki page or something like that, that they were talking about this episode. They said that the reason that they, they wanted this to serve, for, for a long time it was supposed to serve as the series finale, but the the network executives decided that they wanted to pull it as the series finale because it was deemed too dark for network television. So so to, to serve as a series finale. So they in, they intended it to be the series finale. Is that correct? That's that is the sense I got from what I was reading a little bit so kind of doing a little more information. It makes there. so much more sense. Of course, it's written like one. It's like it's it's Absolutely. all the bullet points come come together with this one show. Like it makes sense. And right. then to have I guess that, but they actually aired it though. So then, how was it too dark for uh, network television? Like they That's actually the thing, aired they, it. They pulled it from the rotation of the series finale and they dropped it in the middle of the season. So it made no sense as to why. You know, I, I, yes, I think it was for sure may have been the darkest episode I've ever watched. Like we see a side of Michael Knight that we have never seen mm-hmm. in four years. It's like I want more of it. So I, I'm, I'm. We're talking about this as hopefully our listeners have watched it. Um, yes. 
you know, and I've, I want more. Like, after watching this, now I'm like, shit, now I'm mad that the series is over because I wanted to see where it goes. Because so, how do you yeah. recover from this episode? Well, okay, and that's the thing. And, and I don't think, I think we've kind of decided, I found a pretty, a fairly good synopsis of the episode. I, I didn't take notes because I wanted to focus all of my energies. Like, I didn't have anything in front of me. I just sat down last night with a big bowl of popcorn, <laughs> and I just watched the whole thing in, in there. And so I was able to go through my the notes that I found online. I don't know if I want to go through it point by point, but there's just so much to pick apart. Each scene is so good and so well done that it's like I said it builds towards this wonderful moment at the end mm -hmm. where you feel almost hopeful for Michael despite the events that happened in in, in the, the the big event of this episode it's like 70% of the way through the episode there's yeah. still like 13 minutes left but that's great but also as whatever happens in this episode at the end of it I'm also very unsure of why Michael decided to do what he did so anyway right I have a question. So there's, Go. you know how I said there's, this is, might have been too much. There's so much packed into this, whatever it was, 48 minutes. Yep. Why, why don't TV shows like this, you know, they can spend the time and the money to do a two-part 90-minute series intro. Yep. Why don't they do that at the end? It would, you know, this is the series finale and it's going to be over two weeks. So it get you have to watch the the end of it. You know, it really makes you want to watch. They could have made this an amazing two episode show with all the information packed into it. A two hour series finale for something like this to be able to actually expand, like, and that's funny that you said that because I never felt like this episode was rushed at all. I, like you could tell where they were headed, but I could see watching more of this padding and like pad out this episode a little bit more like just draw out these moments because the moment when you know i'll jump a little bit here like the moment when michael runs into stevie you know to the moment when the climax happens it's not a lot of time so i would love to have seen a little more padding in the middle there mm -hmm. that being said it was i think it was expertly paced it never felt rushed and it never felt forced but again it's weird because i'd like to have seen more of what we got in the episode. Yeah, like there was there was so much packed into it even though it didn't feel rushed. I'm like there's so much more there. And, and it was done well like there's so, you could see all the layers but they were only scratching a little bit. Like there's so I just want them to unpack the whole thing in like yeah. a in like a 12 episode mini series. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um so I'm going to I'm going to kind of jump a little bit here just because I don't want to I don't want to talk about the whole thing but I have to say, so the basis of the episode, for those of you who haven't watched it, is Michael uh, basically goes to apprehend some criminals who are breaking into somewhere. Looked I like, don't think it's it ever looked described. Like it was a military base, but it looked like a water treatment plant, which probably it probably was. Did, did, and there was did. only one guard there, and they, they handily knock him out. And the drive-in, there's nobody else there on this base. Yeah. And so we have, we, we have Sasha Baron, Abraham Lincoln Cohen who is the main bad guy um are you going to spit yeah, almost what was the, what was the name of the doctor in um uh, uh, uh planet of the apes oh doc was it dr zayas yeah it looked like him it did look like dr zayas a little bit so Ab <laughs> abraham cohen zayas lincoln zayas lincoln sasha um so he's the he's the main bad guy so basically michael is michael is almost fatally wounded 
with a, a fair amount of gunshots to the abdomen with this with this machine gun. Like a, like I'd say three or four bullets right to the right to the chest. Yeah, all, all, they all went through the same hole though, so that's why he survived. <laughs> so the, so one bullet would just push the other bullet further into his yeah into like his body. a pile driver. <laughs> and I have to say, so okay, so Michael. He basically has this crisis when he's at the hospital and he starts thinking about like, is my life worth this too many more times? And so he starts contemplating like, okay, I I think I have to be done working for the foundation. And you know, Kit, Kit is such a, is such a sad sack over the course of this episode. He's so sad. He just is like, Michael, I'll support you whatever you decide to do, but, but just, but also don't. <laughs> but Kit, okay, so Michael wakes up in the hospital bed, and Mariah, he still has his transponder watch on there, on him. Right. In the hospital bed, he wakes up, and Kit has been waiting in the parking lot for nine days. <laughs> yes, he's been in a coma for nine days. I know, and Kit's just been out there. Michael, I've been seen, I've seen so many baby carriages. And did you notice there was trash on him? <laughs> yes, people he just used him as a trash barrel. <laughs> I know. Oh, Kit. Kit's like, this is the second lost puppy time, you know, like, Michael lost his memory, remember, and Kit's following him around, and this is the same sort of thing. And Kit was so sad because he's a car, and he couldn't go into the hospital and see Michael. I know, because doesn't he have a quote in the next scene? So when Michael's in the hospital bed, one of the guys from earlier tries to kill Michael in the hospital room, and Kit tells him, are you are you what he makes a comment about how hospital cars aren't allowed in hospitals otherwise kit would have driven over the guy right because basically because so michael's in the bed the nurse comes in michael's talking to kit right when he's like he's telling kit kit i don't know if what what to do with my life if anything at all and right when right. The, right when the nurse is coming in and, and right in my mind i'm like if she's a nurse i'm like okay this man is going on suicide watch right now but so she turns on a camera to monitor him because she gave him some sleeping pills so he would take a nap. So Kit taps into the camera and watches this guy sneak in and try to strangle Michael in bed and raises yeah. the alarm for the hospital um, to go it's, check. Yeah. And it took them way too long to get there. Yes, it did. But, uh, and it's yeah. also a really, it's a really goofy scene because this one guy's like trying to strangle Michael and Michael like falls out of bed and he's trying to do the same thing to this guy. But ah, then when ah. all the... When, yeah, when the orderlies and the doctors and stuff come in, Michael is just passed out, face down on the floor. And somehow, did Michael knock the other guy out? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I or think something I happened. Him. He choked him or hit. He hit him with the bedpan or something like that. That's what. Wouldn't we awful if Michael was face down on the bedpan, just like planking never, like before... his hand straight off to the side, but the bunk, <laughs> like the way... before they cleaned it. <laughs> no, this is a serious. This is a tragic episode, You're David. Right. Michael's having a crisis of identity again. Yeah. The second time in five years. Oh, my God. No, there's... Oh, man, there is so much to unpack. There is so much that Michael's having... Yeah, he's just like... He's really questioning himself. He hasn't had a real life in four years since he got shot in the face and became Michael Long, Michael Knight. Michael Knight Long. Yeah. Michael yeah. Clongley. Michael, what, Michael what, Clongley? Michael Longley with a silent K-N. It's spelled K-N-L-O-N-G-L-E-Y. Michael Clongley. Michael Clongley. <laughs> okay, so I want to talk about the scene after the hospital. So apparently this hospital has visiting hours where you can just like wander outside. So Michael is wandering. He's like walking outside with Devin and Bonnie. And I felt like, gosh, this was such a great opportunity for Bonnie to like really express her concern for Michael. And Devin steps in and tells her and basically puts his hand on her shoulder and tell, with that one hand tells her don't say anything. 
sit back down and know your role. I, it was awful because Mike, like Michael, is telling them, "I I want to leave the foundation. I ha- I have to leave. This is I can't do this anymore." And Bonnie right. is like, "What? But but no. But Michael, you're like you're like a big brother, you know? Like no." And Devin, yeah, pretty much is like, "Shh, shh I've got this, Bonnie." It's just like what a wasted opportunity for Bonnie, and you can tell there's so much. And again, the the emotions and the the performances in this episode were so good. You could see the hurt in Bonnie's eyes in this scene, and she so desperately wanted to say something to Michael, but fucking Devin is such a douche. Yeah, and he's just like the one hand on the shoulder, and Bonnie just kind of retreats back, and she's like, "Oh, okay, well, I guess I, I, I have." Uh, there are a lot of things about Devin in this episode that I'm unsure about. Like, I, I think, I hope we have the same moment. That, <laughs> <laughs> there's a moment coming up in a couple minutes. Okay. Like, oh, boy, that's. You know, and I, I was actually just thinking right now, I almost have more memories of April doing things than Bonnie in, in three you know seasons. What? You're, I think you're absolutely right. This is a show that I will revisit. Like, I haven't watched one episode of MacGyver since we ended two and a half years ago. Yeah. But this is a show that I could find myself just going back to enjoy a few episodes. But I think you're right. Like, April was more in-depth. Like, you actually saw the inner workings of what April was doing, and you saw her actually in action. Whereas with Bonnie, in the latter season, she's like, oh, yeah, I can do this. This would be easy enough. And then it's like, you know, you have this, like, dissolve to the, fu- to the couple hours later, and she's like, okay, I'm done. Well, like, you never that's actually the thing. See what her. I feel like with Bonnie is they lost a tremendous opportunity to create this fantastic female character that could do all this stuff and could kick all the guys asses, you know, but they just didn't, they, they didn't show it. Like she, I think she still did that stuff, like creating the, the, the little flying robot soccer ball stuff. They, they showed a lot of the stuff that she was capable of, but never showed her doing it and never showed her contributions directly. You know, it was, I, I, yes. Just a waste of a character by the end, I thought. So when Devin realizes that, like, oh, shit, Michael really is going to leave the foundation, he puts in a call to the one person that he believes that will give Michael a reason for continuing his life and a reason for, for basically, like, being present. And so he calls... He must have Stevie in his Rolodex. Do you think that's how he, like... Because she's been gone now for two years. So I got it. Okay. I'm going to say yes, but I'm going to modify that with, do you think he's actually using a Rolodex, like an analog Rolodex? Or is he? did he step into the new age and is he using a computer? That's true. So do we actually see him look for the number? Or no, is he, he just, just calls. He basically, he tells, he tells Bonnie, he's talking to Bonnie and says, this is really hard for him and I'm willing to let him go, but I, I have to be here to help. Like... Basically, I'm able to help him, and I have to do that. I know how to help him. And that, and he just picks up the phone and dials the number. Right. And then in the next scene, we see that it was Stevie that he called, and Devin shows up at the restaurant. And so are we to assume that Stevie has just been a lounge singer in the same fucking town that Michael's been in for the last four years? Yeah, because Devin— Where did De- Devin drive? Devin, Devin has kept her on retainer. And keeps paying her salary to stay at that, and just in case he needs to get Michael to stick around. Oh, but Michael can't ask for $50,000 for a job, but he can fucking <laughs> pay Stevie 125000 a year. Yeah, so no, but did you recognize the restaurant? Not from the I outside. Feel like it was, it's from, I feel like it was from an earlier season. It was, I think it was from season one, and I think, yeah. well, Michael says something in there, but I also think it's the restaurant that 
that Michael ordered the hamburger at for the first time when Devin was having like his caviar or whatever the hell it was. Oh my god! You know, I think you're right. Yeah, a lot. Oh my god! Because I noticed and like, holy shit! There's a lot of wood, really dark stained. There's so much wood. Panel. And like, I under and I was trying to think about that. Like every time I see a place like that, okay, a hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, like cabins, like uh, townhouses, you know. Ta- like taverns and things like that were were wood. You go, you have a beer at the town tavern, and it's all wood, and it makes sense. But yeah. now, like everything is so deliberately dark, uh, like I almost wanted yes. it to be made all out of antlers or something. Like it's so dark. It is. I don't know. It really was. Now, do you think it's customary for someone to just like kiss a woman on the lips after? years of not having seen them because that's what Devin does when he walks he walks right up to Stevie and just like plants a kiss right on her lips. Yeah. Like well she's no she's singing a song by herself on stage so maybe it's karaoke. Maybe that's to what it half, is. Maybe it was to half of an empty restaurant. I know. She's, did you notice how close to the friggin' booths she was? Yeah. <laughs> like, like what the fuck? But then Devin walks in and she's singing and she sees him and he's but the smile on his face. It was a, a smile of joy to see her, but I'm here for sad reasons. And when yes. she's like, she walks up to him and, and she's like, it's good to see you. Is Michael dead? Like, that's okay. That, <laughs> was, that was like, oh man, because I think she knew. Because when we last saw Stevie, it was the music video episode. Yeah, right? when she drove away in the back of the car. When she realized yeah. that it was Michael Long, that Michael Knight had too many car- of, of his, her ex boyfriend. And so basically she said, that that was the assumption was after that episode that they were never going to see each other again unless something bad happened. Right. So that assumption when she saw Devin, it just again the emotional work in this episode was so so good and just felt so real. Well, like see that's another thing. Like there, you're seeing that these shows can can deliver if you let them. You know these actors yes. are are real. It's not just some cheesy sitcom or something. You know they they can deliver. They have they have range, David. You're you're That's you're the- squandering them on the stupid plots and bullshit. <laughs> I'm so angry right now. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> uh, so okay. So so basically, Devin says, "Listen." He essentially convinces Stevie to see Michael and says, "Like he needs a reason to live, and you're that reason. So you need to." You need to see Michael again, mm-hmm. and you know we assume we know that she's obviously gonna she's gonna agree to that because now I this is another one of those the next scene also breaks my heart because Michael tries to say goodbye to Kit he get he like he leaves the hospital puts his bag down next to Kit gets in the front seat takes off his comm link and he's like trying to like. He's trying to have this goodbye with Kit, and Kit's just like refuses to leave but Michael's the, side. That's the whistle. This is the, that I. I mm. You can see Michael's in a heavy depression, but a he looked he looked like a freaking swagger man, swagger Fuck swagger. Yes, he did. I don't know what am I trying to say, Dave? Swagger, Dave. swagger slut uh, coming out of the hospital. Like <laughs> if I got shot in the stomach a bunch of times, that's how I want to leave a hospital, like looking like that. <laughs> so, oh God, like yes. I thought they were supposed to wheel you out. No, he walks out on his own two feet, and he walks up to Kit, and I knew something was amiss because he put his bag down. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know. And sat in Kit and like, buddy, I gotta go. And they, right. th- this is the end of it, right? But here. it was kind of strange. It's almost like he was so aloof, like he was so depressed that he didn't, he couldn't emotionally connect with what he was doing. Do you know, like, yeah, he was very distant. There was yeah. nothing, like, there was nothing there. And again, like, best acting I've seen in the show from him, emotionally speaking. Like, he was just really good. Yeah, at doing at, at this. And I love this because RC 
is there and in a very small he had a very small part in this episode but he convinces michael to go to lunch with him for a goodbye party and basically says listen we're not going to discuss anything we just want to say goodbye to our friend can you please just come with us and he doesn't even he doesn't even take kit in the he doesn't even drive with kit to the lunch no kit he gets so uh, rc drives michael and kit follows along empty i know it's just He's so my kid's so sad. <laughs> no, I know it's sad. Uh, and he has a great, but but Kit does have a great line in a, in a little bit here, which I thought was which was fun. So okay, so obviously Michael goes into the restaurant thinking he's going to have lunch with Bonnie and Devin, and he sees Stevie, and they share this wonderful moment together in the in in the restaurant, and it doesn't take very long before Michael just they make out with each other, and then we montage for ninety seconds. Set to white. Bird oh my god! Michael and Stevie in love, and I wrote down every single activity that okay, they did in the nineties. Oh, Dave, you gotta okay, you gotta bullet point this. What did they do? Okay, so the first thing we see on the white bird montage is Kit. Um, he's going. He's just driving full speed over the dunes and like across the beach. And, and Stevie and Michael are just like, oh, oh, oh yes, Kit. Oh, you got this. It buddy. was like, it was like a couple walking their dog. Only it was a Trans Am. It was great. Oh, it was great. And then. We transition to Michael and Stevie uh, running full speed, which we assume they're going to go to the water, but they fall right on the shore as the waves come up and they don't actually get wet because Michael's wearing this beautiful yellow shirt that he probably wouldn't want to get soaked with salt water. Okay. Um, I'll go with that. Sure. So, so they run, they're running to the water, but then they fall and they kind of like have that from here to eternity moment and they just roll <laughs> around for a minute. Then they're feeding the birds with like full loaves of bread. I know they're like, I was like, oh look at how how charming they're throwing fists of quarters at them or something like, I was like marbles. Kidding me. Okay, and then we transition from the birds to them sit. Uh, Kit's in convertible mode, and they're sitting on the roof flying a kite as Kit drives full speed across the sand. <laughs> I love that. It was so good. Like, is there no one on this beach that Kit's just like bombing down? <laughs> it's the foundation's <laughs> private beach. It must be. Um, so then we transition from the kite to them just playing a lovely game of frisbee back and forth, which then transitions into them playing paddle ball. Which we have that Dumb and Dumber moment where like she hits him with the with the paddle ball, uh-huh. and he gets pissed, and he just like dive tackles her into the sand. She gets a head full of sand in her mouth. <laughs> He's like he's doing the Harry when he's doing the Harry Dunn, where he's like shoving her face into the sand. <laughs> and K- Kit's doing a burnout and just like burying her with sand. <laughs> <laughs> boys and will then, be boys. Oh, <laughs> Michael, you killed her. Oh, oh, oh dear. Okay, well, Kit, can you uh, can you get rid of the body? I don't have I don't like, have hands, Michael. He just spins out and bury. He just digs this really deep hole, but then he gets stuck in it when they're trying to bury Stevie. <laughs> he turbo second. boosts out. Oh, okay, and then we fi- we finish off the montage with a with a uh, a transition into the sunset walk along the beach. That when then we have that classic zoom in of just their two faces with the sunset in the middle, and then they meet in the middle and they just like make out forcefully <laughs> for a really long time. Yeah, until kids like okay guys, okay, you, all right guys, you can stop. You got to remember to breathe. <laughs> um. So, as the scene ends, basically, you know, Michael and Stevie are obviously, they're clearly, happy, they're so happy. Michael tells Stevie, listen, I promise you, I know I said that I had to go, I'm, I'm done with the foundation, I want you to marry me. And she looks up at him very, and she's like, oh, okay, I believe you. But, and she accepts. But she, she, he took a sec, she didn't believe him at first, she's like, are you, I can't, Michael, I can't. He's like, I'm done, for real, I'm not going back. And then she's like, yeah. okay. Yeah. Like, okay. boom, just like that, you know? 
Well, and no sooner does she accept that than she's like making dinner for them out on the you know it's beautiful sunset night, and Michael like he's talking to Kit, and he he looks out in the distance, and he goes, "Oh, look at that plane." A little bit earlier, we the, the, again, this is such a paper thin villain plot. Basically, the main villain Durant is adamant that he kills Michael because Michael is the only one who saw his real face before he got shot. And before anybody can get the money that they're owed, they have to kill Michael. Which so is they- insane because he gets shot. Michael's like, I don't remember anything. Durant was wearing that big old fake beard. And like, <laughs> and I don't know. So, well, so well, now cause- he's got a vendetta on him. He's like, yeah, he can't be identified. can't identify me. So kill him. Well, right, because when he later on when he has Bonnie like review the tape of him getting shot, Michael's like, I I don't recognize this guy. Like, I don't know who this is. Right. I don't know what you're talking about. But the so, funny thing, so we'll do talk about the Bonnie reviewing the guy's tape. We'll talk about it later. Forget it. Okay, fair enough. So that night they're making dinner, and Stevie's like, you know, they're outside, and it's this beautiful night, and Michael, like I said, Michael's sitting with Kit, and they're just talking, and he goes, Oh, hey, look at that, look at that remote control. Isn't that a, that's a nice little plane. So we find out earlier that, that Durant and his guys had put C4 in the remote control plane and they were going to fly it into the house to detonate it. Yeah, because they could, their sniper couldn't get close enough because it was a wide open beach, so he couldn't hide anywhere. Um, yeah. So that's the only way to do it was to get a little remote control airplane and then blow the cottage up. And I love this because when Michael's like, oh, Kit, look at that plane. He goes, uh, hey, buddy, does that plane look like it's getting closer? Michael's kid's like, yeah, actually it is. Do a quick scan for me, buddy. And he looks in and he goes, Michael, there's C4 in that plane. Get the fuck out of the house. So why didn't Kit just, like, turn the plane? Like, stop the plane? That's what what I'm saying. He can't just, like, he over, or he, like, hardwires. I don't know. He couldn't. Because then we wouldn't have that beautiful model work explosion of the house after Michael goes in to save. Really wasn't that good, actually. I mean, it was just they leveled this cute little cottage, and Stevie gets out, and Michael, they both get out, and that's it. Well, no one really mentions that again, because the next day, it's their wedding. (laughs) But also, it's like, whose cottage was that? Was that the Foundation's cottage? Well, actually, what other episode, was it another, was it a MacGyver episode, or they were in a cottage on a beach that blew up? Wasn't there like a, it was like a season one episode, remember they had the opening gambits? Yeah, MacGyver, and there was like an episode where like MacGyver had to sneak into a beach house where this like general was being held captive. Yeah, that's and, the like, one. He he turned on the gas in in the kitchen and just blew up the house while getting rid of the general. So I wonder if in Hollywood there's this one cottage that they keep blowing up and rebuilding. They oh let's use that let's use the cottage on the beach and we'll blow it up again. <laughs> Probably. So yeah, um, so I'm gonna say it was it was either either the foundation's cottage. Yep. Or it was Devin's personal cottage. It's Devin's personal cottage. Okay, and now it's a personal pile of matchsticks. And now it's, that's it, yeah. So, okay, so like I said, everything, you know, the house blows up, but no one mentions it again because we cut to the next day when everyone's getting prepped for the wedding. RC's the best man. Bonnie's the, the maid of honor. Uh, Stevie had actually asked Devin if he would give her away at the wedding, which I did a little deep dive into this one again, Greg. <laughs> okay. Turns out that um, this was a direct recreation of David Hasselhoff and Catherine Hicklin's real wedding. So they're married in real life, these two actors, yeah. at this point in the show. So um, Edward Mulhair actually gave Catherine Hicklin away at the wedding. Really? At, the, at their real wedding. And the, the reverend who married them is the same reverend that married David Hasselhoff and Catherine Hicklin. So, so this is a replica of their wedding. Right, so they said p- publicity materials for the episode said that Edward Mulhair and this reverend did the same thing for the actual real life wedding. So these are the <laughs> same. It's like the same moments, except they have Bonnie and RC now. You in know what? 
part of the wedding. That might explain some of the genuine emotion. I mean, because it was real. Like Edward Mulhair giving her, like, it was a real thing. It ha- it just, he did it before, for real. Now, listen, I love a good wedding, and I'm not going to lie to you. My emotional state has been fragile. I, I may have shed a tear during these moments when they're, like, having this, like, lovely... Because you can see that they're in love because they're really married, and there's this awesome, these these beautiful moments between them. Mm-hmm. And then the absolute unexpected happens after they're announced man and wife, Greg. Would you like to tell everyone what the f- happens here? Well, Mr. 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 Fake Beard comes yep. out of, like, the side door, uh, out of nowhere, was, where the fuck wearing was that a fake door? mustache. I don't know. It's just the door on the side of the garden... And he comes out in slow motion, yep. raises a pistol as yep. uh, Michael and Stevie are walking down the aisle, back out after they got married, and fires a couple of shots yes. at them, Yep, at Michael, completely missing him, and Stevie catches all the bullets. No, you notice that Stevie turned towards Michael, so she basically took the bullets for Michael at this point. Yeah. Then, like, and- that's, that's what it felt like, yep. Now, my assumption was, okay, she's going to, you know, Michael's going to go out for revenge and she's going to save me and, you know, she's going to... No, she doesn't recover. She fucking dies. <laughs> she's effing dead right there. They killed her on the wedding day. Like, and uh, that surprised me. Like, it really did. And and I was feeling... Because I was feeling it. I'm like, I was actually getting happy for Michael. Like, he kind of told the foundation to go suck it. Yes. And, like, things are working out, and Stevie's actually happy, and Michael's happy, and they're truly happy. And then she gets freaking shot dead on their wedding day by by Beard Dick. (laughs) Beard Dick. (laughs) And then my next note is just like, holy God shit, Michael... I mean, like this, something snaps in Michael for the rest of this episode, and he is just out. This is the darkest you have ever seen Michael Knight. He is out for blood. He just lost it. I mean, how could he? I mean, uh, uh, he's okay. So he's still not part of the foundation because he quit. Somehow he still has access to Kit, which lets him drive around, and Devin's letting him drive around. And he basically told Devin, I'm taking care of this myself. Okay, so after Stevie, you know, gets shot, and then Devin and RC run after Beardmouth. Which was a great slow-mo scene of Devin getting up off the ground. That was the best. Barreling towards. But one thing I'm I'm surprised, they never carry guns. They might have been able to capture beard whisperer if they did have guns but they didn't and uh the next scene really is at at at, uh stevie's funeral basically and you almost can see that michael has completely buried everything except for the anger and that's it there's there's nothing nothing left left other than just it's pure anger he, he, he was a shell of a man and he filled the rest up with rage and yeah and then he told Devin, get out of my way i'm going after parney dick i don't know what was his name Durant. Sure, the, Durant, because that sounds yeah, like all right. beard face. So you mentioned that you know he's driving in Kit despite him leaving. So earlier when he and Stevie are getting ready to leave, my, Kit convinces Michael to go and take a ride because he's like, listen, since you've quit, I have nothing to do until they find a replacement for you. So I'm a free agent. So let's go for a ride. And that's why he takes Kit out. So that's probably why Devin doesn't say anything because Devin has already basically said that Kit Kits doesn't do anything until we find. Do you, or do you think that so, Michael just said, "Hey, we're still going for, we're just still doing that same ride, buddy. We're still going for a ride." Probably. 
Yeah, that's probably. But it. Michael Michael goes on a, a ride of revenge. So he goes and he he beats the shit out of the the guy who the guy who tried to kill him in the hospital. He 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 threatens him for a good long while, and he this guy gives up the location of one of his other contacts who's at a gas station, and Michael fucking obliterates the guy in the gas station who finally gives up the location of where Durant is. Michael peels out, and I love this. So they get to the the the, uh, the abandoned warehouse, wherever the hell they are, and somewhere we don't see it because they use clips from Goliath. Uh, somewhere there's a rocket launcher <laughs> in this, yep, in this that episode. All pre-set up. Yeah. He launches like Durant launches like what a dozen rockets at Michael as Michael just barrels through it, just like out for bloody seeing red. He just drives yeah. right through all the rocket blasts, hits the side of the scaffolding that these three guys are on, and they all topple to the ground. And Michael gets out and. He comes this close to beating this beating Durant to death until Kit like begs him, "You, you, whoa, stop, Michael! This is not you." <laughs> Pretty much like Michael, stop it. And then yeah, he nearly sh- rips the guy to pieces. It was unreal, and I love the scenes beforehand where he gets on the phone with Durant. And he's like, "You better tell me where you are. I'm coming after you. You're gonna be the last thing I see." Ah. <laughs> Like it was the off. best, like uh, blood curdling. Oh my god! But like Mike, like this guy's wife just was murdered in front of in his arms. Yes. Like I'm like, where where can he possibly go from here? Well, you like, know, you know where he goes. You know, who Michael or Durant? No, just Michael. Like in general, like how, I mean, he's quit the found. Like how how could he possibly go back? Because the foundation's the reason that his wife's dead. I know. Okay, so. So we assume that Duran has been has been arrested. So the the episode and the series ends with Michael at the beach throwing frozen loaves of bread at birds. But then has like and then White Bird kicks in again. Yes. Because it's like it's so sad though because Kit's there and Michael's sort of happy, but he he's remembering Stevie because I used to do the same thing. It's like how many you're not you're not better, man. This you're not well. No, this isn't you okay. Need- you need like grief counseling at this point. Like you, not like, even that. Like even when you married Stevie, you were not good. You were, you were. He was like in a fantasy world. No, he was having a crisis even when he was falling back in love with Stevie because he. Had I just, know he had almost been killed like two days before. So, no, I'm sorry. The, they've been nine days had transpired over the course of the episode because that's how long Kit was waiting for him. No, no, what? Remember, no. Because remember when Michael got shot and Kit waited yeah, outside the hospital for nine for days. nine days, and then Michael got up, and then Devin found Stevie. Okay, after so that, after that, it's probably been what two days. <laughs> yeah, and he organized the wedding and everything. No, I don't know. I it's got to be longer than that, it, it and it doesn't really matter. It Doesn't matter. So when he walks back over to Kit, Kit asks Michael. Michael, where are we going now? And Michael says, we're going home, buddy, to family, to the foundation. And they drive away. So we're led to assume that Michael goes back to the foundation. Right, because he has nowhere else to go. That's the thing. And so that was the whole impetus for the episode is just like, Michael has no one anymore. And so his only family is Bonnie, Devin, and RC and Kit. And I it's think... Like- I think if they had gone to a season five, would have been a, this dark, edgy Michael Knight, like with, who literally has nothing left, like this shell of him. <laughs> I think, I think a season five Knight Rider would have been unfreaking believable. Like a season five Knight Rider with with scent of roses as the as the uh, the impetus to creating it. You know, that's like what I'm that's saying. that's where we are. So that's this guy. That's the foundation. So okay. So all the way through. 
my Devin gave me this vibe of he would he's doing whatever he can to keep the foundation functional. Yes. Like he he cares about Michael, <laughs> but he's going to call Stevie because he wants Michael to come back to the foundation. Yep. He's going to do X Y he has cuz he said something. There's something that Devin said when what did Mike, he say? Michael says Devin I have to leave. I have to leave. I have to go do something. He's like, Michael, believe me, I know. It's, but it's not that easy. You can b- believe me. Yeah. So I ha- almost have a feeling like Devin's in the same position where he he can't leave or like he won't allow anyone to leave or something like that, which is why Bonnie's still there. And yeah. I want to know more why is RC there? Like, oh, absolutely. What happened? Like, does RC have no family? You know? Like, he must not. This is almost like Stockholm Syndrome. Like, Michael can't leave his captors because he loves to hate them or hates to love them or something. You know, there's something there, but he can't leave because the the emptiness is too great. So he's still going to fill it up with things, you know, with with sadness rather than nothing, I guess. I think think you're absolutely right because I think Devin is nervous. Like, if Michael goes and they don't find somebody to replace him, he knows the foundation's done. And Devin's whole operation... That he's been working for twenty plus years, with you know, killing Wilton Knight mm-hmm. and all that. He knows that he's going to be found out if Michael doesn't come back or he doesn't. So find somebody this to is him. this is even worse, and this is something that crossed my mind because Stevie's death actually bothered me a lot. Yes, me too. I wouldn't put it past him if Devin collaborated with Stevie to fake her death. To get Michael to stay at the foundation and to get Stevie out of the picture. Oh, don't fucking say that. Oh, no. I don't like that at all. But yes, Devin's such a smarmy old bastard. It's for your your own good, Michael. Sometimes love hurts. Like, that, because Stevie Stevie didn't really want to marry Michael unless he left the foundation. And he ultimately he yes. never would because Kit's following him around. And even after he said he quit, Kit is still there, and Devin's still calling him through Kit. You know, like you you never leave. And I think Stevie always knew that. So, or or maybe she did get shot for real, and Devin had nothing to do with it. But she didn't die, and they never told him. They That's they awesome. let her they let they let her leave think- and start gave her a new life and a new face and another organization. They just like they. They got her body out of there as fast right. as possible, so Michael wouldn't realize yeah. it was really. I don't know. Going on. I don't know. That's um, that's the that's the really dark end of that episode, but that's not what happened. We didn't see that. No, um, God, I just Greg. This was just. I mean, it was it was beautifully paced, so well acted, so freaking dark. But like, this is an episode that I'm going to be thinking about of all ninety some odd episodes we've watched of this show. This is the one that's going to forever burn in my memory. Like, I will remember watching this episode for a very long... It was a near-perfect series finale for me. I thought it was it was so good and so engaging for the 47, 48 minutes. I just... Yeah, and I oh, thought you're, you're just, absolutely right. And that, it was a great episode. And it, But it, after watching this for four years or well, four seasons, it really it pulled in everything. And and it showed it all yes. in forty minutes or whatever it was. Like you saw it in the characters. I wanted more from Bonnie, but they 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 really showed the the dynamic of the foundation and everything. And Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I would have loved to have seen a fifth season Night Rider, but it's like it would have to have almost been a different show. 
like Knight Rider Dark, like or uh, <clears throat> yeah. Well, like Baywatch Nights, but like Night Rider. Yeah, it's, Dark. it's Baywatch Nights. It's Night Rider, but every episode takes place at night. He because he insists. Yeah. Well, okay. So they tried to bring the series back in 2008. That lasted about a season. That was, I believe, a direct continuation of this mm-hmm. series. But I don't want to watch it because it doesn't. Lo- it's yeah, I don't. Not, I don't know. But who knows? <laughs> we might get some. We might get a gem out of it. But no, I. I just want to leave this. And think about what could have happened. And also, yeah. wh- you had all this talent in, in this episode. Why didn't you do it for more more seasons? Like, why didn't you not? Why didn't you show that kind of talent throughout the show? Well, that's what we talked about in, in a couple of the last the last few episodes of the season when they finally start to like deepen this relationship between Michael and RC with all the team ups and the battles and the fights and the friendships. Like, why didn't you explore that earlier in the season instead of waiting for your last five episodes to, like, interest people enough in watching the two of these characters grow? You know? I I don't know. I just... But I agree with you. I I like what you said. Like, I think this is just... It's the perfect way to leave a series when, you know, you're on the brink of cancellation, but it's just such a good way to see Michael goes back. You know, we know he has nothing, which (laughs) is sad, but you know that he's going back to do what it is that he has been trained right. to do and I, I like I like just leaving that interpretation open to think about where he could have in a, gone in a weird it. sort of way it's sad but Michael was almost set free because there's nothing yes. holding him back to that other world that's that's absolutely it. sadly I don't believe anything that we saw in tonight's episode will be translated into the TV movie that we're going to watch next week Greg because did it take place after this you know it could have taken <sighs> place-, place in the year takes place in the year 2000, Greg. So this is the 1991 TV movie Night Rider 2000 that is the director's 1991 vision of what he believes the year 2000 will look I like. I can't wait to watch this. So I just uh, so we're going to have to pull a little bit of a, a a DVD switcheroo here. So your complete series DVD set does not have the TV movie, correct? Correct. I went through all all the discs and yep. there's nothing that says Night Rider 2000. So I think I just got lucky when I was buying the seasons individually because my season one box set has the TV movie. I think it's it might even be on like disc one. That's interesting because um, I have the Mill Creek uh, season, like all four seasons, the Mill Creek set. Um, yeah. And it's not it's just a box, you know, with sleeves for all the DVDs, nothing fancy. Um, but, yeah, there's nothing else in it and it doesn't reference it on the box. So it's just yeah, the, it's just the episodes. So we're going to do a little switcheroo. So I'm going to try to watch this probably either Saturday night or Sunday night, and then I'm going to drive it up to you, and we'll make the switcheroo before we record next week. Um, I'm thinking I'm going to drop it off to you this coming – well, actually, so this episode releases Sunday night, January 10th, Sunday morning, January 10th. I'm going to drop it off to you probably the night this episode drops. Sounds great. It'll be – And then you'll watch it, and then we'll – people are not happy that we're watching this after this finale. Really? (laughs) Um, so there, there's some new listeners. Um, I believe they're from Australia. I talked about them last week, the, uh, 60 seconds to comply. It's a RoboCop rewatch minute by minute podcast. Sure. Uh, they commented on this, on something I posted saying, good luck with the Knight Rider 2000. Like my condolences with the movie, um, Mike and Mike, I I used to watch this Mike and Mike from, I used to watch this or just, they, I mean, they, they had some fun talking about it, but they're, uh, they're nervous for us. I think. (laughs) 
Um, that just makes me want to watch it more. I know, I know. So I'm probably going to watch it this Saturday night, and then I'll drive it up to you at some point, like mid, mid, you know, early evening Sunday, so that you can watch it. But uh, the, you can't find this anywhere. I don't. know. I just got lucky buying this set, but like you can't find the DVD. The, the VHS doesn't exist anymore. There's there there's no like it's only like region two and three on DVD. So it's it's just nowhere around. So. Uh, I'm I'm happy that we at least have one copy to split between both of that, us. That's all we need. We only need it to work twice, and then we can throw exactly. it away. <laughs> exactly. Um, Greg, do you have any final thoughts here uh, before we close this book um, on this chapter of the Champa and Klein era? Oh my God, this uh, I don't. I had such a good time with this, way more so than MacGyver. And I, oh yeah, it's 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 an. I know why so many people love this show. And we I think oh, yeah. we all have every every viewer has their own reasons for it. We have our own particular <laughs> our own particular flavor of of watching these shows. Yes. But yes, man, it's fully enjoyable and from the rememories rem- that I had as a kid watching reruns of it, <laughs> it's all still right. there. Like I I yeah, it's a it's a feel good show. I and this is definitely one where I can throw in an episode or two here and there. Um, absolutely man i'm gonna miss it really i'm gonna miss watching i really this. am i think more than macgyver like you said i am gonna miss this week to week I, I mean i'm looking forward to airwolf i think we're gonna be in for a nice fun change of pace but this is this is one that'll be remembered for for a really long time um but well we got two more weeks of night rider before we officially close the book uh so we'll, we'll try to we'll try to enjoy the next two weeks <laughs> but um guys listen if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that through Facebook at facebook.com slash champa Klein. Uh, you can find us at Instagram for the time being at Night Rider Years. That will change to um, uh, at Airwolf Years. You can find us on Twitter right now at Night Rider Pod, which will change to at Airwolf Pod. You can visit our website, champacline.com, to find the backlog of all of these episodes. If you don't want to download the episodes to a computer or whatever, you can go to champacline.com and you can actually listen to the backlog of the Knight Rider years right on the front page of the site. So it's really easy if you want to just listen from your browser. It's a really easy way to do that. Um, you can find us on our hotline, like uh, our buddies Clint and Randy and sometimes Optimus Prime and a few others. You can call us at 207-835-1954 and leave us a message about anything you want. You can also leave us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way for us to be seen and heard by other listeners. And as we are closing out Night Rider, we'd love to have some new listeners for Airwolf. Whoa, I think I did that in one breath. Did you, you did. I can see your face <laughs> getting <shit>. redder. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god alright Greg uh, before we say goodnight any uh, any final 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 thoughts white bird in a golden cage oh, on a winter's it. day alright friends for the Night Rider years I'm your host Michael Clongley <laughs> and I'm Parnassus Beardface <laughs> Have a fantastic week, everybody! <laughs> to the darkened sky in its rage. But the white bird just sits in her cage. You've been listening to a podcast of the Podfix Network. 
Discover more audible gems like this at podfixnetwork.com. Make sure to catch up-to-the-minute network shenanigans by following at podfix on Twitter, official underscore podfix on Instagram, at podfixnetwork on Facebook. And make sure to subscribe to Podfix Presents wherever you choose to find podcasts. The Podfix Network, artist owned and loved.